Hey, I'm Alicia Bake. I'm Jen Greenfield. And I'm Jen Tifoni. VO Booth Besties listen to the questions you have. We find pros in the know to help you learn. And connect with our amazing VO community. Welcome, Welcome to, to VO, VO Booth, Booth Besties. Besties. Welcome, everyone, to VO Booth Besties VO101. The goal of this series is to provide current and credible information to the folks who are newer to the voiceover industry and want to learn more from pros who know. There is so much information out there, and it can be quite overwhelming, and we hope to ease those feelings. Each week, we'll have a new topic and occasionally a guest speaker who is an expert on that topic. Um, If you would like to join our weekly email list. You can go by boothbesties.com and submit that. And if you haven't joined our Facebook group, you should do that as well. A quick bit of housekeeping in order to stay on topic and get as many of your questions answered. We actually are going to keep hand raising turned off. However, that the chat will remain open. So make sure you drop your questions in. And now without further ado, over to you, JT. Thank you very much. This week, we are thrilled to be joined by Nick Redman, all the way from Ireland. Nick Redman has recorded and spoken for a living for nearly 20 years and coaching people to feel vocally free and at home on the mic every day. She's been featured multiple times on the BBC and Times Radio, as well as in The Guardian, Irish Times, and The Metro. Nick coaches one-to-one and runs residential retreats, online courses, and in-person masterclasses. She often guests on podcasts, speaks at conferences, and speaks on panels, offering insights into spoken voice training and recording for voiceover, podcasting business, and public speaking. Nick is also co-host of the award-winning VO Social Podcast and creator of the Top 1% Worldwide Ranking Voice Coach Podcast. And uh, Nick, I rely on your planner daily. So thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) That's so nice to know. I'm glad you like the planner. I love the planner. It's amazing. <laughs> it's and, uh, Yeah, it was a bit of a labor of love, that one. It's a ra- another random 3 a.m. idea I had that my <laughs> dear co-host Leah was like, yeah, let's do that, and then made it happen, which was great. <laughs> so let's start at the very beginning. Um, like, very beginning. Is singing, <laughs> is singing a good way to warm up? I know Alicia usually does that. Yeah, I'm oh. be a little bit of a nerd. Yeah, that's okay. I think singing is great for loads of things, including, you know, mindset and joy and like well-being and and all those kinds of things and vocal variety and getting you in the zone and breath, lots of things. I think you've just got to make sure that if you're using singing in a warm-up that you know your singing technique is on point. Because if you are an untrained singer and you just sing for the laugh, like in the shower or karaoke or whatever, Christ knows what you could be doing in the background, you know, and the whole point of a warm up is that it's prep rather than any of the actual vocal load or effort. So um, what you don't want at the end of a warm up with either singing or whatever is to feel tired or vocally fatigued in any way. Like a warm up is the stretching and the release and the, and the priming ready to get on the mic and do the work. So just make sure it's a good technique in the background and you don't push it too much. Awesome. That's great advice. Um, I I think it's important that you pointed that out, that you need some professional training, right? Like I actually mm. taught singing lessons for 20 years. So I, I know what I'm doing, but that doesn't oh, mean it's great. great advice for everybody. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's really just about remembering that singing is a different, what the, 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 like in phrase at the moment is vocal load you know <laughs> the idea that like when you use your voice you, it's that's the effort that you put in so you just got to make sure that if you are singing it you know with the the decent technique and everything like that that you're just yeah you're just taking it easy and keeping it light and not pushing yourself yeah so for those of us who who aren't singers um what do you recommend for a good vocal warm-up and can you give us some examples yeah sure so for me, it's um, max five to 15 minutes of the right exercises for your particular voice and instrument and the job you've got to do. So I think one of the main misconceptions about warm-ups is that it needs to take a long time. You know, some people come to me saying they're like, I'm doing like 30 minutes, 40 minutes, and I still don't feel like I'm ready or my voice still gets tired or something like that. So the first thing about getting a, creating a warm-up that's going to work for you is making sure you know your voice, what you need from it, 
the bits that you feel need a little help and a little working up and also the job you're going to do. So um, uh, that once you've figured that out, i.e., you know, if you're going to do a big load of efforts for gaming, you might want to do a different kind of warm up for if you're just jumping on the mic to do a few quick IVR or telephony prompts, you know, or a quick radio ad. So after you've realized that if you got to the grips with what your voice needs and what you're going to use it for, it's about uh, working through the, the basic process that I go through in my book on the mic is um, body, breath, sound and speech. So you prep the vessel, <laughs> your body, then you work the breath, which is like the fuel, you know, that makes the vocal folds vibrate. Then you do the sound and the voice itself, which is vocal fold vibration and resonance and all that kind of stuff. And then you do the articulators, so the shape through which that sound travels. So it's sort of an inside-out kind of a process. Um, and I mean, there's anything really. Like for, from a body point of view, I always say to people, you know, if you do a bit of yoga in the morning anyway, then great, that's your body section done. Or, you know, if you go for a walk, roll your shoulders a little bit, stretch your neck out at the same time, that's your body bit done. And then it's about um, getting the breath, either releasing the breath, so making sure that your belly's releasing nicely and making sure that your support's kicking in when it needs to um, on the sound, getting the breath flowing and energized and focused. And then for the vocal folds themselves, any, funny enough, the only sound you need to warm up the vocal folds themselves it is actually like a, like a gentle siren, like an NG, hmm, singers will know that. Something like that, or a semi-occluded glide, like a TH or a V or a a, um, a lip trill if they're your bag or a puffy kind of ooh, sound so that's all you need to get the vocal folds themselves go ready to go and then I, I tend to recommend people do a little bit of resonance exploration and stuff as well so just working through the primary resonating spaces like the nose um, the mouth and the pharynx or the throat and then you get to the fun mad stuff where you look like an Egypt which is all the facial release and the tongue release and the silly um articulation exercises at the end <laughs> i'm literally like making faces right now <laughs> yeah. you can't not right right I, I do this exercise gurning which comes from night thompson speech work and it's basically just smushing your face around like a mad idiot and i can't watch anybody do it without gurning back at them <laughs> because it's really funny it's like when you're feeding your baby and you're like making the face to, for them to open yeah. their mouth like oh that's exactly it yeah yep. can't help it <laughs> So let's say, theoretically, that someone gets up in the morning and they spend the first couple hours of their day talking to their children and running around and getting mm -hmm. stuff done. Is there any need for a warm-up when you step in the booth still? Or can you say, oh, I've been yelling at my kids for two hours. I'm good. Huh. Well, I would say there's almost more of an argument for a warm-up. And perhaps it's not that you're framing it as a warm-up, but you're framing it like a vocal reset. So. I do have one of these children things and I do spend a lot of my time running around trying to encourage him to put his mother flipping shoes on. Thank you very much for the 19th time. Uh, uh, so I, I completely understand that voice use first thing and how you get the, so you get to the end of it, you go, oh, sweet Jesus, I'd just quite like to go back to bed actually, rather than get in the booth and do 10,000 words of e-learning. Um, but what I would say then is focus on a little bit of mindfulness, a little bit of resetting your, your headspace more than anything so that you can, you can leave whatever was in your head that you were carrying around outside of the booth. So like five minutes on the floor in semi-supine, which is on your back with your feet flat on the floor and your knees up towards the ceiling um, and just letting some breath in and out, doing a few tongue stretches, a little bit of jaw release. Or if you don't want to lie down, then just a few spine rolls, a little bit of shoulder rolls, a couple of yawns, um, again, some semi-occluded vocal tract sounds, that kind of thing, just to reset everything. And also, I think it's important to remember that a warm-up is not just about making silly faces and getting your voice ready. It is just as much about getting your head in the right space. So, um, you know, one of the, the things that people sometimes come to me with is like, but I just don't have time. I don't have time to warm up. And I say, oh, well, you know, do you do any exercise in the morning? And they're like, well, yes, I do 20 minutes of yoga. And I'm like, okay. Oh, do you do any, you know, meditation or mindfulness? And a lot of the time these days, people are like, yeah, I do. I do like five minutes of meditation every day. And I'm like, well, A, you can find time for that. So you can find time for a wee warm up somewhere if you want to. But B, those form part, really legitimate parts of a warm up if you want them to anyway. 
So, you know, if you're doing a bit of yoga, just add some hums onto the out breath. That's a lovely way to integrate voice into your morning practice. Um, and if you do a wee mindfulness session anyway of five minutes or whatever, you can use that just to focus in on the breath and settle your breath. So there's loads of really clever ways of making it kind of merge with your morning routine anyway. Um, so it feels a bit more manageable, you know. I love that. I really love this idea that it's not just about your physical health or your vocal health, but also your mental health and just taking that kind of step away from the crazy of life, from work. If you, you know, we have a lot of voice actors who work a full-time job and then come home and do voice acting in the evening. And I think sometimes they think, well, I don't need to warm up. I've been talking all day, but mm. it's that kind of mental reset and and stepping into what you're what you're trying to have your voice do um, in the moment. And that's great. I love it. I yeah. Love and it. actually, I, I, felt re- I felt really smug a few months ago because I suddenly realized it's not just that, that you need to get your mental, your head in the game for doing the work, right? It's not even just that. And that your voice at warm-up can help with that. Your voice, a voice warm-up can genuinely help you feel better. Like it's all about tension release. It's all about awareness of the breath. It's all about connecting with your body. And those are three of the really key principles that we that we think about when we're doing any kind of mental health stuff, you know? Releasing tension is good for your mind. Uh, working on the breath and focusing on the out-breath is good for anxiety. So all of these things are brilliant for your voice. They help you get your head in gear for doing the work, but they're also good for general mental health overall. So you know, if my husband laughs at me because sometimes if, you know, life gets a bit much in the day or whatever, I'll just be like, I need to lie on the floor and do some breathing and some humming. <laughs> and I'll just like <laughs> drop, like drop, like, a, you know, I don't know if anyone watches Drag Race, but you know, just like, <laughs> just like <laughs> drop to the floor, like at the end of the dance off, at the, at the lip sync at the end. Um, and uh, I'll just lie there for five minutes, just like, mm, <laughs> like doing some <laughs> humming. He's like, are you all right? And I'm like, I'm just having a mild panic attack. It's fine. Just let me do some humming and lying on the floor and I'll be all right in a second. You know, it's it's really holistic is the point. So use that, you know. I love that. We need that on a t-shirt. Just let me do some humming and lying on the floor and I'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. I'll be fine. Just leave me on the floor for a minute. It's great. So let's talk about something that I know you are passionate about, and that is the importance of hydration to good mm. vocal health. So tell us. Does drinking water while you're in the booth help or what should we be doing instead? Yeah, so it's an overall sense of hydration, like 24-7 really is the key. There's two ways uh, hydration is necessary and important for vocal health. One is what's called systemic hydration. So that's the idea that you're hydrating your entire body. And that eventually, depending on whose research you read, after either four to eight hours, some people say actually not as much as we thought it would, but eventually those fluids that you imbibe in your diet and in your water intake or your uh, drinking intake um, will eventually reach the mucosal layer of the vocal folds and keep that mucus nice and slippy so the vocal folds can um, oscillate or vibrate nice and easily. So general systemic hydration, which means just making sure you're consistently drinking and consistently um, consuming a diet of fresh things nothing too processed and stuff that is high in like fresh fruit and veg and things like that so that's the systemic way i.e everything you take in um the vocal folds themselves remember you know nothing you eat drink and this comes from an amazing guy that i train with called dan chalfin but this is one of his like mottos nothing you eat drink suck or swallow actually touches your vocal folds on the way down and that's something that sometimes beginners don't realize. And I include myself in that when I first, I had no idea about this until I literally did my master's in voice studies, <laughs> that when I drink, it doesn't go anywhere near my vocal folds. It goes down the food tube. Of course it does. Because <laughs> anything that goes down your, over your, towards your vocal folds or into your larynx, you choke and possibly die. So our bodies shove all the fluids and all the food through the different tube, right? So sometimes people think if they, you know, if they drink, it's coating their vocal folds or if they like take some honey it's coating the vocal folds or if they have a lozenge it's coating their vocal folds and it's not it's not going anywhere near it so anything you drink any fluids you take in or any food you eat will hydrate you but through your body so it takes time and it's got to be consistent just generally all the time um what what you can do uh, is is something called a uh, topical hydration which is where steaming potentially but definitely 
using a cool mist nebulizer with a saline solution in it will help. So basically, this is the, the premise that, you know, if you take in a steam or a mist, you're tricking your body into thinking it's air and it you breathe it in rather than, you know, swallowing it down the esophageal um, tract. So then um, you can get a little layer of fine hydration on the outside of the vocal folds, which then gets um, absorbed at a cellular level, at least if it's um, a cool mist nebulizer with a 0.9% saline solution. And what the current research with nebulizers says is that if you nebulize for about 10 minutes, it will it will reduce what's called phonatory threshold pressure, which is basically the effort it takes for the vocal folds to vibrate for up to about an hour. So if you were going into, it's really beneficial if you were going into a gaming session and you knew you were doing lots of efforts and your vocal load might be higher, or you're getting to the end of your day and you're feeling a wee bit tired, or you know you're at the end of a cold, or it's allergy season, something like that. Using a nebulizer is really good. Um, steaming historically was thought to do the same thing, but actually the more recent research with steaming would say that yes, the heat is nice and potentially can uh, kill any germs off that it might be sort of building up in the pharyngeal area and the oral cavity for general mouth health and uh, throat health. But they're not 100% sure if the droplets in steam are actually small enough to get down to the vocal folds now. And actually, if they do get down there, whether they get absorbed at all or whether they just evaporate off again. Um, but the saline solution in a nebulizer is the same sort of chemical makeup as the mucus in your body already. So it gets absorbed through the walls of the cells and then does actually uh, hydrate there. So um, drink a lot of stuff all of the time, generally. Eat lots of fruit and vegetables and, yeah, a nebulizer if you need an extra little boost. Do you I, – I can't remember if you have a specific nebulizer, like, on your site that you recommend or – can you tell us what brand, if we, like, I keep meaning to buy one and haven't, um, what would if you recommend? States, yeah, if you're in the States, the, the best one is the Vocal Mist. That's the one that's been developed specifically for voice. There are other over-the-counter ones, um, but I, the, the Vocal Mist one's quite good because it's handheld, so it's quite handy. Um, some of them need plugged into the wall. It all gets a bit clinical and dramatic. But I have I have another one made by a company called Beurer, which is B-E-U-R-E-R, -E that's readily available if you're in the UK and slightly easier to get your hands on than the vocal mist because of import taxes and whatnot. Um, I just see uh, a question in the, um, someone's talking in the chat about distilled water. Um, yeah, if you, you can buy little vials of saline solution that's sterile, so you should never really be you should never really be breathing anything in, you know, over that way. That's like a nebulizer that's not sterile. So you can get these little vials of um, saline that go into the nebulizer, and you open them fresh each time. Awesome! I love that. So you you don't even have to think about the distilled water. You just put the little droplets in. Yeah, that's yeah. great. I love easy. Easy is great. Mm. So um, let's talk about. Let's transition to, there's a lot of people out there who struggle with things like acid reflux that cause a lot of excess mucus in their throat or um, mm. some issues. And I see a lot of posts that are like, oh, eat this or eat that or drink this or drink that. What are your best suggestions for someone who deals with um, like reflux or things that cause them to have a lot of excess mucus maybe in their throat? Yeah. So the first thing with anything like is to make sure that you are firstly getting checked out by a medical professional. So if you feel that you've got some of the symptoms of um, what they call LPR, which is laryngopharyngeal uh, reflux, or sometimes called silent reflux, which is this peculiar reflux that affects the area around the larynx and the pharynx more specifically than like normal heartburny type um, acid reflux, um, is that some of the symptoms are this thing called like globus, which is gloriously, uh, glamorously titled, but it's basically this feeling like you've got a lump in your throat all the time. And that can be a sign that there's a bit of excess mucus there. It's also that kind of desire to need to clear your throat quite a bit or like a claggy feeling around that sort of back of the throat larynx area. Um, other things include like if, if you are getting vocally tired quite quickly, that can be a sign that there's something going on. But you, 
always make sure you get checked out, checked out by a medical professional because the only way that LPR and voice affecting reflux can be diagnosed is by a scope. So you need to go to a voice specialist, um, speech and language clinic or ENT, get them to have a look down and they'll be able to tell whether there's any kind of refluxy looking symptoms. So that's step one, you know, don't self-diagnose because a lot of people think they've got it, but they actually don't. Um, other things that exacerbate reflux can be, well, stress and anxiety, <laughs> which came out of the pandemic, there was quite a lot of that. <laughs> so stress and anxiety, uh, being, you know, really busy, um, different foods affect different people. Some of the, some of the culprits are um, spicy food, caffeine, alcohol, chocolate, sorry. Um, you know everybody's different for me it's weirdly these days baked beans I don't know why <laughs> what's in baked beans um but that makes me or tomatoes for some people you know everybody's different so if you do feel like you're having issues with reflux or your diet's affecting your voice in some way because of reflux then make sure you keep a little food diary for a while and track your symptoms and what you're eating and the time of day and things um also um another thing to be aware of is not eating too late at night so leaving yourself, a, I think, I think the recommendation, I, I, I stand corrected on this if anyone knows more recent, is like a couple of hours before you lie down to go to bed so that your food's got time to digest properly. Um, so make sure you get diagnosed firstly, and then you can approach it with diet and things. There are various um, ways of approaching, fixing, well, uh, managing reflux symptoms from a medical perspective one of which is what called ppis which is protein pump inhibitors which is like a daily pill you take which sorts out things from inside long-term use of those isn't recommended as far as i can know again from the most recent research um and actually from a voice symptom perspective one of the best things that's been recommended for people to use is just uh, what's called an alginate so that's like a thing that you drink that kind of forms a layer over the top of the contents of your tummy. Over here, we have something called Gaviscon. I don't know, uh, Gaviscon Advance. I'm not sure if you have the same sort of thing in the US. But to be honest, that's what a lot of people over here use generally for management because um, PPIs long term can cause all kinds of um, not good inside your tummy side effects. So that's thing i've gone around the houses there but the main things in terms of that are make sure you get diagnosed with it before you self-treat yourself um check your diet and keep a keep a diary don't be going giving up stuff if you don't have to because that's horrendous and loads of stress anyway you know if all of a sudden you're like well i can't have this and i can't have that and i can't eat this i mean that's nobody wants that so make sure you're not cutting things out for no reason and that goes out to all the coffee drinkers and all the fans of a wee glass of wine and all the chocolate eaters like everybody's different so don't panic <laughs> just keep a diary and then in terms of general management yeah the recommendations over here again for me although I'm not a doctor are um, an alginate that you take um, orally uh, not eating too late at night staying well hydrated and uh, trying to minimize stress and anxiety in your life which is so easy isn't it yeah so <laughs> easy <laughs> Um, I, that is great advice. I love, I love the the focus on making sure you get the proper medical treatment. Um, I do actually have the laryngoesophageal reflux and I, um, I have bought my Gaviscon from the UK because oh, here in the U S it does not have the sodium alginate in it. It is not as oh. good. So, um, yeah, it's not fair, but it is what it is. Well so, done for importing. Yeah. Yeah. All for importing. <laughs> So let's talk about if someone gets sick. So they've got mm. a cold or they've got laryngitis. Um, what do you recommend to help them have the best chances of healing their vocal cords as quickly as possible? Yeah, again, this is one where step one advice is always changing your vocal quality um, for anything from two to three weeks that you can't tie back to overuse or illness. Make sure you get seen and you get a scope. So that's step one in terms of, oh, gosh, there's something wrong with my voice and I don't know what. If you've been to a bloody, you know, rock concert and the next you horse for a few days, I mean, you've probably sung too loud and had too good a time, you know. But if, if you wake up one morning and all of a sudden you can't speak and it doesn't get better for a couple of days or a couple of weeks, then that's when you need to think about talking to somebody about it. For general overall, like if it's a cold or if it's allergies and stuff like that, um, it's so boring. But the main thing honestly is like rest your flipping body 
like have some time and hydrate and then the other things are you know make sure you're eating healthily all that boring stuff um then for me if it's something that's affected the voice then there's probably going to have been some kind of coughing involved so i would always encourage lots of release of the vocal tract so tongue stretches jaw stretches um yawns shoulder and neck release all that kind of stuff so quite a holistic approach i suppose and the honestly one of the other things i really recommend to people if they're feeling under the weather is make sure you manage it with your clients you know like most people are nice and reasonable and and everybody's human and um if you feel that you can't do the job to the best of your ability or you're going to hurt yourself then you need to let the people who are relying on you know that you need a bit of time because not only is that good for them it's also i think good for you and your mindset so you're not going but i need to do this job i've only got this much time like i i respect everything we do as voiceover artists but we're not saving lives so there's always going to be a window <laughs> a wee bit of flex and to be honest if you somebody if you lose one job because of a cold your entire career is not going to collapse you know and if it does maybe other holes in your career that you need to think about um so just give yourself a bit of time and inform people then stay hydrated rest eat well and i would say tension release in the vocal tract and of course semi-occluded vocal tract work as well so that's your if i don't know if anybody's ever used a straw so like straw bubbles in water or um gentle glides up and down your vocal tract are really good as well again on that um th sound or um an F or a puffy W or a lip trill if lip trills are your bag. Awesome. I um I think that we as vo- as voice actors especially often get so afraid like if I get sick my whole world will collapse that all my you know clients will hate me and it's great advice to just reach out. Yeah. No. But oh God. Um, two two Christmases ago I lost my voice after um I was getting a bit ill. I went to a VO, it was a VO, it was a voiceover career planner launch, actually, the live launch in Manchester. I was really excited, big long day, quite a few late nights getting everything finalized. I was getting a bit ill anyway, got there, talked all day to all of my amazing voiceover friends, did a wee speech, then went to, my husband's a comedian, and I went straight onto a gig of his and laughed my arse off for like three hours. And I woke up the next day and I had no voice. And I was supposed to do a, a commercial, TV commercial. I mean, like uh, we're talking like four, four figure job here just before Christmas. It was going to pay for my whole Christmas break. And my voice just didn't come back. And there's just nothing I could do about it. And I lost the job. I lost that job, like four figure job. And it was um, oh, just at that time at Christmas, you know, it was just heartbreaking. And I felt so foolish. And I know all of the things to do. Like I was doing all the recovery. It took about 10 days for my voice to come back. It was terrible. But there was nothing I could do. And you just have to like, you just have to shoulder it, unfortunately. Um, and I, I took the time. I had Christmas to rest and I came back after Christmas. But I just kept saying to that client, maybe tomorrow, maybe tomorrow. And eventually they were like, I'm so sorry. We're going to have to find someone else. And I said, well, that's fair. <laughs> I'm sorry. And it's a real shame. But look, it happens to the best of us. But you know what? My career did not die. I'm still here. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about that a little bit. Let's talk about overuse and i know for specifically for people at conferences or mm-hmm. like at a big party or a concert like you said what are some things that we can do to prevent losing our voice when we're talking a lot especially you know like at voiceover conferences everybody's a talker and it has a tendency to get really loud like in the restaurant yeah. and even just talking to the person sitting next to you you feel like you have to talk really, really loud. What can we do to prevent losing our voice in those scenarios? Um, I genuinely, anytime I go to a conference, even if it's not a voice conference, I warm up in the morning. (laughs) So I treat Mm -hmm. it like a a normal recording day and I do like a five or 10 minute voice warm up in the morning. That's the first thing. Um, A good trick for networking and stuff as well is to remember that the best way to network is to ask other people one question and let them talk to you, you know? So like, if you feel vocally tired, be the person asking the questions to get other people chatting. And then you can just mm-hmm, 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 do some nice, gentle humming affirmations, which actually work as a nice release exercise anyway. So it's also OK to be quiet in those environments. But I really appreciate having been to many voiceover conferences, how loud and noisy it gets. 
So again, I like sneak into the toilets and do like a little two minute silent vocal tract release exercise routine. Or it's happened at one voice conference in, in uh, London, just gone actually. I put a wee Instagram post up of me like in the toilets doing a few, <laughs> doing a few like spine rolls and a few tongue stretches and I'm preparing myself a little bit. Um, stay hydrated, of course. Uh, get fresh air if you can. I know conferences can be quite air conditioned and in in the um, uh, horrible kind of hotel environment for a wee bit. Um, and then the other thing is one of the main things, okay, the two main things that contribute to vocal fatigue are actually a uh, lack of like efficient alignment um, and overuse of breath. So uh, one thing you can check is that when you're talking to people, you're not like doing that really enthusiastic, like face forward, chin out kind of pose, because that puts a lot of strain on the voice. And the other thing is making sure that you're not taking big, huge gulping hulks of air all the time because you actually don't need that much breath to speak at all. You know, it's, it's we need consistent airflow at the right kind of pressure to bring the vocal folds together and all that lovely coordination. But what we don't need is loads of air because actually when you've too much air in the lungs, your vocal folds have to work really hard against that subglottic air pressure. And then they, they end up getting a little bit more tired because they have to. it's harder for them to regulate the airflow. So other people do the talk, you know, so what do you do? <laughs> and then you just mm-hmm, 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 <laughs> all the way through it. Don't use too much breath. Warm up. Reset if you can as well with the voice. Stay hydrated. And what was the other thing? Check your alignment. So watch for the chin jot. I think some of those things lead right into the next questions. But before we move on, it looks like mm-hmm. we're at the half hour. So let's do a quick room reset. If you've just joined us, we are VO Booth Besties. Our goal is to help working voice actors get the answers to their questions from the pros who know. Today, we're joined by the remarkable Nick Redman, and we're discussing vocal techniques all voice actors should know. Back to you, Abby. All right. Well, before we keep going, uh, NJ, what kind of questions do we have in the chat? Let me see. I see. Uh, I wanted to marry Gene Kelly. Okay, that's not... <laughs> helpful uh not a question not a question yes uh yeah well we did singing in the rain as our intro so um someone genevieve says someone told me something about dr vox which is a bottle of water with a straw you blow into wondering if that is really helpful you did touch on that but maybe um you can expand on it a little bit about the process the how-tos and benefits sure so straws are really like hot right now in like vocal health everyone's popping out straws and people are using straws all the time and the science behind straws is is great you know it started from a rehab in a rehab angle and it was i think laxvox was one of the, the the first ones to really formalize it but it's this idea that what you what you do that like the basic theory behind it is that you are using um if you partially close the uh, exit through which the sound travels um, what you get is this like back pressure of breath um, and voice and vibrations back down onto the top of the vocal folds. And that creates this lovely environment, which basically makes phonation or the speaking process really easy. It helps regulate the vocal fold vibration and helps the vocal folds vibrate nice and easily. So um, you're using the straw to uh, create a little bit of resistance to give you that back pressure so that you end up with that, you know, pressure, the breath coming from underneath the vocal folds, drawing the vocal folds together underneath, but also that lovely acoustic back pressure down onto the top of the vocal folds, which helps draw the top of the vocal folds together. So it's basically giving you a wee help in hand. So it makes voicing really easy. And it was used, uh, generally used for people either after surgery or with um, conditions like muscle tension, dysphonia, which is where there's a bit of an imbalance of uh, muscle use and you're using the muscles in a less efficient way. So it comes from a clinical perspective. And when it's used in that respect um, with supervision and the right exercises, it's brilliant. Now, brilliant generally if you want to have it as part of your routine and you've learned the way to use it correctly and you've got it using it in the right way for your voice, that's brilliant. Um, what can happen is that people get a bit like, start using it as a crutch, you know? Um, like any of these props and things, if you if all of a sudden you can't warm up without your straw or um, you can't get through a day without using your straw, then there's an issue because the straw is there to 
to um, correct and realign an issue with technique. So if you're having to use it all the time, then it's probably a sign that there's something going on with the technique that needs looking at. Um, so all I would say is use it with caution and um, with a bit of supervision. Because what's happening as well is people use straws and they're actually using them in like not the best way either, you know. It's the same as like going to an actual yoga class and learning how to do yoga brilliantly with someone going, oh, just move your hip or watch your foot or helping you out with it versus like me at home doing Adrian yoga every morning, I think I'm the bee's knees and it's helping, but also going, there's probably loads of stuff in my technique here that <laughs> I need looking at, but nobody's supervising me, you know. So by all means but make sure you learn how to use them properly and uh, if it's becoming a crutch or you know you're getting hung up on it or you feel like you know i can't do anything without the straw then that's when you need to seek a little bit of guidance and the truth of it is as well there are other exercises that elicit exactly the same thing in the vocal tract you know so any basically straw work is is all part of this semi-occluded vocal tract work sovt work and that is anything like a lit trail, a tongue, a tongue, uh, tongue trail, puffy uh, fricative glide, a, a puffy woof, anything like that. That's all semi-occluded. So it all elicits the same response. The extra you get from the straw is a little bit more resistance because basically what you're doing is lengthening the vocal tract to outside the body. So you just get different levels of resistance. So I think, well, two two additional questions for just clarification for folks who are listening is. One, there are some very good tutorials um, that you can find uh, mm -hmm. about how to do this. But two, and you kind of commented on it, buying the, you know, the special bottle with the special water with the special get a glass of water and, and a straw. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> don't, yeah. don't buy too much into, you know, the, yeah. the super the duper specialty. Yeah, exactly. Like. I have a couple of straws. They're fine. But, you know, I could also just use a silicon drinking straw. Um, what you get with some of the other kits is that, you know, you can get different diameters and different lengths, which all help you do different things with the straw. But it, it depends how deep right. you want to go into right. the, the rabbit hole of, of how to put a straw in your routine, really. Yeah, I agree. Um, so another question is what is your take on vocalese lozenges? So I think this kind of goes back to, you know, you were talking so much about how hydration and you can accomplish so much with just being hydrated. The supplemental things like the teas, like the lozenges, like these other things are there and available. And I'd love your, you know, for you to expand your thoughts on that, but that really hydration is, can do so much for you without the extras. Yes. So my thing with any of this stuff is take a lozenge and it helps you in happy days. Like that's fine. As long as you understand what they do and don't do. So if you're taking a lozenge and you think it's doing anything to your actual vocal folds and your actual vocal quality, then you're kidding yourself because they don't get there. Like they literally don't touch the vocal folds. So, you know, there's some lozenges out there that still claim to coat the vocal folds. And you're like, that's 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 literally not possible. Like, it doesn't happen. Um, they, they encourage swallowing, which can help um, uh, secrete a little bit more mucus down into the laryngeal area. Great. Um, but some of them are quite high in, you know, things like menthol and eucalyptus and stuff. And actually, that's really drying. And I don't really want that inside my, my throat or anywhere near that area because drying isn't good. So I think there's, there's the element of what they do and don't do, which is that they will not touch your vocal folds. So it can't do anything to your vocal folds or to your vocal quality. So if you're hoarse, a lozenge will not help you um, directly. They might soothe the inside of the mouth and they may feel nice on the back of your throat, which is absolutely fine that's a kind of experiential kind of superficial way they can help um the other thing they might help is you know mindset if you think you like having a lozenge and it makes you chill and you like it then have a lozenge you know it's not a big deal but again some people are like i can't get through my day without an entire box of insert famous 100 year old lozenge here you know and i just feel like if that's what's happening then there's an issue because you shouldn't need 
to suck on a sweet to be able to do your job you know what's going on with the breath what's going on with tension is it alignment you know or, or is it a reflux thing so careful and i am all for not spending money on stuff that doesn't do anything really um so it's a bit of a racket i think and the lozenge um the lozenge kind of recipe and the whole idea of lozenges is very archaic now and it just makes me giggle you know these lozenges are like we this recipe is 120 years old and you're like really i mean i'm not eating i wouldn't eat breakfast cereal if the recipe was designed 120 years ago i'd want to know have the updated version you know they're like this is our recipe and it was passed down and it's been i'm like if you've not changed the recipe of something for like 100 years then i'm not eating it <laughs> so um <laughs> lozenge technology has not uh advanced is my point <laughs> so just be careful so yeah just yeah i i, I hear you 100 i agree with you and i do think it's funny that that's totally just a marketing thing and i think that's hysterical because yes i too would not eat cereal based on 100 years ago year ago yeah, exactly um, ingredients okay um <clears throat> Here we go. This is going to tie into some other questions we have. Barbara asks, will on the mic, for those of you who have been living under a rock and in a cave <laughs> um, in the bottom of the ocean, Nick has a fantastic, well, is a writer, educator, obviously, uh, has a book called On the Mic, and we'd love for you to share with us about that. But Barbara wants to know, will it be available in audio format? <laughs> I know the irony of me not having an audiobook version is, is not <laughs> exactly. lost. It's not lost on me. But the truth <laughs> of it is, the truth of it is, I hope so. <laughs> um, I just haven't had the time or the space to to get it organized. Um, so it's on the list. I'm just reorganizing a few of my other business things, and then I'm hoping to have a bit of a yay! It's here in audiobook form at some point. So apologies if you haven't. But I will say that although it's not available in audiobook form. What it does come with is like videos of me doing every exercise on a like a secret web page. So when you buy the book, there's a QR code in it. And when you click that, it takes you to um, videos of me demonstrating anything, everything. So there is an element of like me being there helping you through stuff. <laughs> but I know that some people like listening to books rather than reading books. So I, I do have apologized to a few people about that. They're like, I don't want to read it. I want to listen to it. And I'm like, I'm really sorry. It's not ready. If you do want to listen to very similar stuff or stuff in a similar vein, then you could listen to my podcast, which is called the Voice Coach Podcast. So maybe have that as a as a booby prize <laughs> um, until I get my arse in gear or my vocal folds in gear. Can you I'm tell kind of us? Terrified because oh, I'm sorry, I don't do I don't do audiobooks. You see, um, and the prospect of me sitting down and reading it and a from start to finish and not going off book, it, it that will be a miracle. Uh, B, uh, I don't want to notice the mistakes in it yet. I need it to be out for another few months before I see all of the flaws. Well, can you tell folks you've ha you have another book too, don't you? Or did I make uh, that up? Voiceover Career Planner, which is like a oh, okay. undated fifty-two week career planner for specifically for voiceover artists, which is brilliant. But I also have the Voice Deck, which is like a deck of a voice warm-up card deck, which is really good fun um so it's like again like 40 cards all separated into body breath sound speech and you just kind of shuffle them take a few from each section and piece together a warm-up i'm gamifying warm-ups <laughs> all right so um what prompted the on the mic book in the first place um people so when i do my courses and stuff so like the vocal empowerment program which is my signature kind of group program and the master classes I'm doing at the moment, the next one's next week, the vocal expression sessions. Like I'm I'm a big referencer, you know, I, I'm a master's level trend in this nonsense. So I'm big into this exercise and this theory from this brilliant book by this amazing person. And it got to the point where a lot of my clients were like, When are you writing a book? You're telling us about everyone else's amazing books, but you should write one. And I'm like, Don't be silly. I write Instagram posts. I can't write a book. And then um, I made the pod, the Voice Coach podcast and I script every episode of that. And I suddenly looked at the 90 episodes of that going, well, if I've scripted 90 10-minute episodes of a podcast, there's got to be a book in there somewhere, hasn't there? So then through that and finding that structure and through developing the group programs like the Vocal Empowerment Program and the Vocal Expression Sessions, 
I suddenly realized I did have a book in me. Um, so I just started piecing it all together, really. Um, and then I had a little nervous breakdown because um, have you tried to write a book? Oh, my God. Like, it's really intense, folks. <laughs> my husband was like, um, I'm leaving you. <laughs> he didn't. But it was such a go. Um, so then I wrote the book. And um, yeah, now it's out in the world, which is terrifying. But you know, it sells, which is great. I had no idea. It's so silly. Like I thought as soon as I stopped talking about it, people wouldn't buy it, but it's still selling. So I get to like refresh my little Amazon account every day and go, oh, there's another two sold. Great. That makes me feel very proud of myself. <laughs> yeah. It, there's nothing like a passion project to, to uh, challenge a marriage. Hi. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> I uh, know that firsthand. He, he was passionately supportive of the book, but also passionately against me finishing the second thing and getting back to being a normal human. Well, ish. All right. Let's see. I don't see any more specific questions in the chat. AB, what else we got? I think KT had a question. Okay. I do, actually. Going back to the beginning of the conversation, Nick, you were talking about um, vocal efforts in the booth if you're doing a gaming session or an animation session. What's a good way to warm up for that? And do you have any tips for people aside from the obvious, don't do it if it hurts, yeah. <laughs> to get those efforts out without hurting yourself? Yeah. Uh, see, I'll, I'll preface this by saying we did a brilliant episode of the VoiceOver Social podcast called The Extreme Voice, where we interviewed a female metal singer. And then I give a few tips at the end of that. So if you, it's a really great listen if you're interested in Cool. extreme voice generally and um, that was on our website vosocial.com somewhere or wherever you get your podcasts she says sounding like a podcaster um just google Vo social podcast um uh, so the main tips i think for prep are body release and tension release for me so touch your vocal folds in any way before you do efforts because they're going to get enough of it in the session so a gentle kind of glidey sound, like I said, like that NG or whatever, just to get the vocal folds going is all you need. But then really think about releasing the vocal tract. So the vocal tract is the area from just above your larynx to where, to your nose and your mouth, basically. So anything, lots of tongue release, lots of jaw release, lots of yawns to release the back of the throat, shoulder, shoulder stretches and neck stretches and anything to get the, the body going is great. Uh, when you're in the session, um, things to remember are I mean the first thing for me with efforts is remember and this is the breath thing again you really don't need a lot of breath to be loud and also a lot of the time with efforts for games and stuff you don't need to be mad loud anyway you know it's all about letting the mic do its job really so try and work with less air than you think you need um, is a reasonably good tip and also think about alignment so make sure that when you're doing the efforts you're physically not putting yourself in really tense, horrible positions. Try and keep the body as fluid and movement moving as you can. And remember that chin jot. So it, it's very easy when you do a big vocal effort noise or an emote or something for the chin to go forward, the shoulders to go up and back and everything to get quite animalistic in a way, which is fine. And I get that it's like an intense environment and you're embodying often something that's otherworldly or non-human. But just remember, there's there's a real skill in getting the sound out in the way you need for the art of it, but also keep that technique in the body. So keep strength in the back of the body, release the abdomen on the in-breath, use minimal air. So don't use a lot of air and uh, yeah, lots and lots of vocal tract release. Oh, and hydration. Did I say that? I know you mentioned um, not taking huge gulps. And this is something that we've talked about before Alicia, because she was a singer, is a singer, is so used to taking those big gulps of air so that she can sustain a note for as long as possible and has a hard time starting to breathe like a human again. Yeah. Um, how do you recommend getting out of that habit and bringing your breathing to a, a place mm. where you're not gulping? Yeah. So I think w when I work on breath with people, particularly if they're in this kind of more breath than the need kind of habit, which happens a lot in voiceover, you know, you sort of taking a big breath because sometimes you don't know where the fucking sentence is going to end. And sometimes the writing is terrible and the sentences <laughs> go on for like four pages and you're like, Bleh, like some kind of Shakespearean sonnet. Um, so the thing I work on with people is awareness and release. So it's bringing your, 
because what you're doing when you're sustaining that airflow is is all about control right it's all about um slowing down the release of the air and keeping things coming out nice and slowly and consistently which is great for singing because often you've got really long notes but we don't have that technically when we speak like we don't i don't have to keep one word going for a really long time i may have to have a sentence going for a long time it's a very different thing so the first thing i do is almost stripping it back to get people sort of working on awareness and release which is about making sure the belly is moving on the in and the out breath making sure you can let the breath go on the sigh out because a lot of the time when your body's used to controlling the out breath it's really hard to even just let out a very released easy sigh like a gentle even that for people who are incredibly good singers is quite hard because their body's like oh no 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 we control that airflow out thank you dear so release is first for me and then it's about more of a mindset thing so it's understanding that and this came up when I spoke to uh, this amazing practitioner that I work with called Barbara Heisman. Um, she reframed it for me when I spoke to her for my for the Voice Coach podcast. She said, "It's not about it being one breath; it's about it being one thought." And what she meant by that is, you don't have to get to the end of a sentence that's really long on one breath. You have to get to the end of the thought and the sense of the thought in how many breaths you need in order to make it make sense for people so like the thing about that is like we, we have meandering sentences that go on and on and on all the time and i've done a, lots of them this evening <laughs> you know you go start one place and you end in another and i just take the breath in where i feel like my, my body takes a breath in where i need it to get through the next bit of the thought but when i take a breath i don't lose people because that thought is a lot that breath is alive with like and imbued with the next part of the thought because like the breath is where your thought happens you know it's inspiration the in-breath is inspiration and you know it's, it's no coincidence that that it's it's called to inspire you know the breath comes in the thought happens and then the breath and then the words come out on that breath so i would say it's also about looking at habits in the booth noticing if you have a habit or the tendency to push right to the end of the phrase and then take a massive gulp because that's why the big gulps happen, right? Because we push to the end of the breath. And then you're working with tension because pushing to the end of the breath is a tense position. And then you try and release an in-breath and it's not a release easy in-breath. It's a big gulp kind of pulled in-breath. And that's where you get noisy in-breath issues. So the more you can just release the, in on the belly on the in-breath, release the belly on the out-breath to start with, and then look at phrases and sort of reframe your understanding of how breath for speaking works. Then you can sort of um, start getting an in-breath that is quick and responsive and quiet and there's whenever you need it. Do you also talk with um, students or share in your book? I, I have not read it yet. Again, what? also... Yeah, no, I know. Shame on me. <laughs> um, but no, as a classically trained singer, we also learn how to this and this is something that I know people in the audience I'm we hear it all the time is about doing this extra work of removing breaths in your audition but then as a trained singer you learn that if you drop your soft palate for those who don't know like if you could push if you could put your two fingers on the back of your tongue and press it down when you breathe in you almost hear nothing and the sound part of the breath comes in when your mouth is 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 narrowly opened it's very it's very closed and you hear that here versus here you know there's there's a significant mm. difference in in your soft palate placement and i'm curious do you go and then and then there's some coaches i should also in, that talk about breathing in through your nose while you're doing reads which then gives a whole different breath sound natural or unnatural otherwise so i'm curious do you do you talk with folks about about yeah how to actually rework their their tongue and their mouth placement and things like that so for me it's about connecting the in-breath with the release the belly mostly and making it a really easy free thing but a, a, an easy in-breath comes with an easy use of the breath for speaking on the way out you know if you're speaking um if your like overall phonatory process or speaking process is tense and pushed, then your in breath is going to be tense and, pu and pulled as well, because 
you, you can't you can't push things out really tense and then all of a sudden release it to get that breath in so for me it's like it's just about working on like what happens on the way in it's about working on what happens on the way out um I think nose breathing for speaking is utter bollocks like nobody does that like nobody is sitting in a conversation and listening to the person going no you're absolutely right I think I'll have the lasagna and chips thank you like like it's it's just completely inefficient so for me I quite vehemently don't think that it's an efficient way because it's not massively fast that being said nasal breathing is incredible for mental health and general anxiety and if you work on nasal breathing enough maybe you can get it to the point where it's nice and quick and responsive but it just doesn't work for me on the mic also because if you're breathing in through your nose you're also closing the mouth and then often you get the um, added like opening your mouth mouth noise which isn't hugely useful on the microphone so I would avoid nose breathing on the mic if possible and I'm happy to have the conversation with that and duke it out with whoever whoever's a nasal breathing advocate in a lovely happy friendly way like it's all discourse um I think in terms of releasing the in-breath it's about I work a lot with this idea of of reconnecting with the fact that the in-breath is innately reflexive to use of the out-breath and as long as you use your out-breath well and then you release your belly and you open your throat a little bit or release your throat on the way in your body basically takes the in-breath for you so the more you can let your body breathe in for you, the less you're taking or gulping air in. And that's when you get the noise. So a lot of my work is about helping people remember that their body knows how to breathe in for them and for them not to override that. That's that's excellent. That's excellent. Thank you. Uh, AB, we've made it an hour. We have. We have made it almost to the top of the hour. Nick, thank you so much for joining us. Um, you're so welcome. I I feel like I need to rethink some of my stuff and um I'm excited to to step into the booth again and try some of these things out. But before you go, we like to ask our guests a little three a three just for fun questions, a little James Lipton style. So the okay. first question is, what singer, band or composer are you enjoying right now? Oh god. Um Okay, I'm just I'm really geeking out over the film soundtrack of Matilda. Oh yes. um, um uh Le, 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 Lanisha, is it Le, Lanisha, um I can't the lady who plays the teacher in Matilda when she sings um Home, the mm-hmm. song um this isn't much but this is home to me, the song where she like Matilda's back in her wee cabin. I I just can't listen to it without without crying. I think it's the most beautiful vocal storytelling oh god it's just beautiful so uh i'm really geeking out about that because my son really loves it it is beautiful i i quite like it um that movie is is oh it's incredible it is my we i watched it with my kids and um they all loved it and i loved it and there was singing and anything that has singing i'm i'm game (laughs) for sure um okay what podcast have you been enjoying or listening to lately Oh God, I could talk about podcasts for a million years. One of my favorite, favorite podcasts in the whole world is called The Blind Boy Podcast. And it's this mad, uh, quirky Irish comedian who just, re- you just need to listen to it. It's this really weird, atmospheric, kind of trancey so guy from Limerick talking about like politics and like Ireland and just having a fucking great time. Like, it's just beautiful. I could, And if you need to learn anything about the accent from Limerick, then just be fight on that because it's glorious. But then otherwise, I am an epic, um, like, um, scammy, catfishy, true podcast, true crime podcast geek. So I just listened to Scamando, which I really liked. Oh, my God. Um, then another one, uh, uh, Sweet Bobby is like the most insane catfishing tale you'll ever listen to. So those two. Love it. Um, last question. What is your favorite dessert? Um, Eaton Mess. Oh, do you know what that is? Nope, not a clue. So, okay, so it's like basically it's this dessert that was um invented when somebody was making a pavlova. Uh, Do you know what a pavlova is? It's like meringue with cream and fruit on. So, um, they were making uh, youngs ago. They were making uh, uh, they made a pavlova to bring to somebody in like Eaton, and they dropped it, and it all got smashed. And then they just called it Eaton Mess. So it basically eat messes like whipped cream, meringues, fruit, and you just you just mix it all up, and it's just delicious because it feels light and almost healthy, but it's not. It's just sugar and cream. 
<laughs> I love it. It feels light and healthy, but it's not. But it's really not. Or sticky toffee pudding. That's another Ooh. one I love. Anything with toffee in it, I'm game. Yeah. So, JT, you want to wrap us up? You got it. We'd love to thank everybody in the audience for joining us today and every week. We so appreciate your support. We want to remind everyone that VO Booth Besties is live two days a week. We invite you to join us Monday nights at 5 Pacific, 8 Eastern for our um, our regular event and Thursdays at 10 a.m. Pacific and 1 Eastern. Meanwhile, be sure to connect with each of us on LinkedIn and join the VO Booth Besties Facebook group. Uh, replays are all available to listen to on our website, boothbesties.com, on YouTube podcasts, or anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. Be sure to leave your comments, like, and subscribe. We love it. It helps us. It makes us feel so wonderful. Um, sign up for the VO Booth Besties Monday newsletter so you know what's coming up as well. And you'll also find discounts from our affiliate partners. And next Monday, our speaker is none other than J. Michael Collins, and we can't wait to ask him all the questions. So if you have questions, whether hard or soft questions, drop them in the uh, Facebook group and let us know. Uh, we want to we wanna know what you guys want to know. And thank you all for being here and have a great rest of your day. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to another episode of VO Booth Besties. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast. Well, pretty much anywhere they're playing podcasts. And follow us on Instagram and Facebook so we can keep the conversation going. VO Booth Besties. Yeah, it's a thing. thing.